Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing very well. This is the voice of King Most with my man John Reyes riding shotgun. This is, of course, opening set, season four, episode one. Now, before we begin, I want to say a little words about what's going on right now. Obviously, we've been greatly affected by COVID. I say we, DJs, nightlife, etc., etc. So we wanted to document the moment as it's happening. Not wait a couple years, not wait you know longer than that, but do it while it's going on. So this is our fastest turnaround of opening set, which is good for you and good for us. We want to kind of um, sit and talk with our peers, figure out what they're currently doing. Season three obviously was cut very short by COVID, but here we are in full flare, giving you, I think, some of our best, best, best podcast interviews we've done so far. Hopefully you agree, and hopefully you'll stick around to catch them all. And as always, a little housekeeping for every episode of Opening Set. You can find Opening Set on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. But really, tell your friends, DJ friends, non-DJ friends, your therapist, your dog, your cat, your mom, your dad, anybody else who wants to hear a great tale of creative people doing their thing in the year 2020. I'm King Most. You can find me on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Instagram as well. My man John Reyes is on Twitch. Oh, I'm on Twitch too. He's on Twitch. You can find him on Bandcamp, SoundCloud, wherever you're kind of, you know, getting your contents these days. And today's very, very special guest is my homegirl of many, many moons, DJ Spinnerita. You may know her from Casual Play on NTS, Sweet Sunday, and Sunday School on Twitch, or just being a really dope DJ, Vinyl, Serato, all styles. Also, I want to let you know that this is the first, first, first opening set podcast we did live in a studio audience. We did it on Zoom, so we were like answering questions, we were shouting people out, we were just, it was live. It was, it was, it was like jazz, baby, it was great. And we did it in June, which feels like a lifetime ago. So, uh, and we're now in September. So a lot has happened. She's actually very active, like I said, on Twitch. She's definitely got a loaded curve and she's crushing it. And in this conversation, Spinurita drops some really great stuff about the idea and the concept of value and the protection of DJs. Well, I think for a long time, DJs were never protected. You know, like there was no protection for DJs. We're always out there like... I don't know. I just felt like venues didn't really give a fuck about us. You know, they'd pay us and have us play, but we get harassed by people or like, I don't know. I just always felt like, damn, like we get to do this thing every night. But like, what if, I don't know. I just always thought that way. So hopefully there'll be more value in DJs. I mean, you could tell in COVID, like we're providing entertainment. Like I do a a live stream and people are like, oh my God, thank you. Like, and I thank them because I miss it so much, you know, but like, I hope there's more value in the DJs. Like we do a lot of shit, you know, for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if venues or bookers think about that, about us, you know? The reason why I love that quote so much is because it raises questions that have always been on the mind of DJs. And I think it's even more pronounced now that going into public spaces can be risky. No one's really talking about it. Everyone's kind of figuring out like how to survive in the moment, how to survive the careers. But no one's really talking about, okay, what is our worth really to other people, to the industry? So I thought it was just so poignant and so smart. Also in the conversation, she tells us about her wild and wild high school days. It was just amazing hearing the story, how private school can get down. She shared knowledge on German bass and two-step. And if you want to, you know, get into that whole genre, who to check out. And also how to book a tour, how to kind of make a career out of music while leaving a professional day job and other things like that. It was just, you know, a really, really cool conversation. Now here's the thing. I've known Spinny Reader for a very long time. We were fellow club goers, we were music lovers, we would, you know, go record shopping. And we still do that when we were hanging out at the same time. But her story is a 20-year story that has evolved from, you know, like again, a fellow music lover to somebody who has started DJing later in life. It's also found a lot of success. So I was able to kind of like think about this is a story that needs to be documented because usually it's the other way around. It's a music aficionado. I talk about it on the podcast as well. Somebody that becomes a music lover instantly also becomes a DJ. But in her case, it's the passion for music first, continuing that, and then become a, a musician afterwards. And if you want to spend more time with Spinurita, and of course you do because she is awesome, you can find her on Twitch under Spinurita. Find her show, Casual Play, on NTS. Uh, Instagram, Spinurita as well. It's a short one, but it's a great conversation. Here we go. Spinurita, King Mo's, John Reyes, opening set, season four, episode one. Let's do this. 
Our guest today is Spinorita. Hey. She's somebody that we're supposed to go to LA and finish the season, season three, with a bunch of LA guests. And Angela, aka Spinorita, was going to be one of them. Angela's been a longtime friend of mine. We go back like almost 20 years, dude. Mm, yeah. Okay, we're old. So 20. <laughs> we're young at heart. We just, you know, we just know more things than the average young person. All right. Um, how was your day? Let's just go with that. I think right now everything is just up in the air and we don't know what we're doing. We're kind of going and taking it each day by each day. How was your day today, Spinorita? Um, It was good. It was pretty chill. I just like went through my to-do list. I try to make one every day just hmm. to like stay on some kind of routine, you know, not be like sleeping till hella late. Or... But actually hmm. I wake up super early. Like <laughs> I could go to bed so late. I wake up so freaking early. I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to keep a routine, you know, try to do that. But uh-huh. um, today was pretty chill. I was excited to talk to you. Thank you. No, that's dope. And yeah, likewise. And it's funny, like, again, we know each other very well. And we definitely had like those talks. We just talked about careers and music and then family stuff and then just dumb shit. So it's kind of cool to kind of put it in a formal context. And, you know, in a very like, I have like planned questions and and which is kind of funny because we know each other so well, you know. So I think one thing when I think about you in terms of DJ is that you proudly represent the SGV, right? Is, okay. Yes, it, Alhambra like, to be exact. That. Alhambra, okay. No, and yeah. I ask that because the context of geography is a big deal to me mm-hmm. and obviously to the guests and to like DJ because every city, every scene greatly shapes somebody. So right. Alhambra is... is 20 it's minutes east, outside of LA or? Yeah, that? it's east okay. of downtown LA. I can get to downtown LA on the streets in like 15 minutes, which is really dope. Okay. Um, the SGV is where, or Alhambra was, is where I was born and raised. Uh-huh. Even musically, like musically, the SGV means so much to me because we'd go to like house parties, we'd go to high school dances. Everything was based here for us. So for me to rep it means a lot because this is where my roots are like musically, you know, and a lot of DJs have come out of the SGV, a lot of like electronic DJs, hip hop DJs. So it's like the other Valley, you know, there's San Fernando Valley. That's what everybody calls the Valley. We're the other Valley. Yeah. So So it encompasses a bunch of cities. Okay. So who are those artists you mentioned, the electronic and and hip hop DJs? R.A.W. He's a very well-known drum and bass hip hop. He told me he battled J-Rock and Juan. Before. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> nice. Um, uh, I know, right? Can you imagine having that on yeah. your belt? Shit. Yeah. DJ Irene, Richard Humpty Vision, gosh, like so many just straight homies of mine. Um, uh-huh. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. All so, the DJs we go see like on a Friday night, Saturday night at these like little house parties, all SGB okay. heads. Okay, and they, they unfortunately get lumped to like just LA in general, right? They kind of get stripped of their identity a little bit. Is, am I right with that? Yeah, but I feel like more people are kind of repping it now. Like they're really putting it out there. Like I know Santiago Salazar, he's from the SGV. We kind of had like uh-huh. the same upbringing, he's a little bit older than me, but he ended up in Detroit working okay. with um, UR. I mean, he's Undergr- from the Underground SGV, Resistance like, for people yes, that don't know. Yes, like yeah. the, Underground like Resistance major. is the techno group in Detroit to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Truncate. Um, there's uh-huh. like a whole crew of techno DJs that are from out here that started in like the party crew era. Um, okay. They all like hold it down. They've been traveling the world, like bringing that like SGV sound. There's also that uh, Instagram page called Map Points. Um, I don't okay. know if you've heard of it, but nah. um, it's connected to Veteranas y Rucas. It's more documentation of the party crew era. It's really okay. dope. They talk about the party crew scene that was like, I'd say like at least seven years older than me. So there was like party crews that would just like throw parties. And then the backyard, like the ditch parties was my era. So that was, I graduated, or I was in high school, 1994 to 98. So kind of like later 90s, mid 90s, later 90s was when the ditch parties and all that like came about. The younger like party crews. I have a picture up there. I don't know if you'll find it, but <laughs> submitted a couple pictures of my Groover days. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you said the there was the ditch crew and then the, the crew before that, they're the ones that just throw parties at their homes or warehouses or wherever. Was that was there like any kind of reason or any? Yeah. Wherever. Okay. Um, like, yeah, pretty much house parties, I would say. Okay. 
And then the House ditch parties. parties were people like on a Tuesday at two o'clock, they went to ditch school and go have a party. Right? Tuesday at 10 o'clock, not even two o'clock. It was okay. like nine in the morning. You would just go there instead of going to school, you know? So it was crazy. It was fun. It was dope. Really yeah. dope. It was probably just all like, not just like Latin kids, but Mexican kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. And would like the local authorities have a like find that as a, as like a big problem? Like, oh, a bunch of brown kids are ditching school and having fun. Or is it all just kind of like... This is the way it is. Uh, tell me about um, if there's any. They, uh, they try to, yeah, they try to criminalize it on Fox News. I don't know if you've seen those. Like, there's yeah. actual Fox News coverage of ditch parties. If you look on YouTube, you uh-huh. might see a friend, a friend or two on there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they always try to. They, they always try to make it seem like it was you know delinquent kids and, but it was kids like getting together and having fun, making money, you know, like doing their thing. So listening to music, being cultured, you know? So of okay. course Fox News would shit on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I remember there was like, are your kids raving or, you know, whatever, and it'd yeah. be this thing. It's like, dude, relax. It's, they're yeah. just listening to like music or whatever. I love knowing about these little sub scenes or I don't know, like lesser known scenes and how to create like a DJ's kind of world and idea. So when you said Goober, mm-hmm. I, you're the only person I knew who ever says that name. <laughs> what is that? Is it a term that still exists for somebody? Are Gruber still current or is it like an old school term or what's up? Um, it's definitely old school. I would say Gruber was like a baby raver. Um, <laughs> we weren't, I wasn't going to raves yet, but we were going to these crazy high school dances that were like straight up clubs. Like I'm not even shitting you. Like Power uh-huh. 106 DJs would come to, and they're all Catholic schools. So it's like all these okay. like, Catholic schools would throw these amazing dances and it would be, different groups. So it'd be like the Groovers, the Rebels, and the Go-Go Girls. Like, they called them Hoochies. And so we'd all dance in our little areas. Yeah, Don Bosco's. Don Bosco was one of the best high school dances you could ever go to. So we'd all get geared up, and all the, like, dance crews would be there, and they'd just, like, take over the dance floor. And it would be techno, hardcore, jungle, house at a high school dance. Like, it was fucking amazing <laughs> it was our rave before raves you know yeah i'm like my hat is on my head because i'm like blown the fuck away because mm-hmm. what you just said was a lot so wait, you said there was go-go girls and the rep wait <laughs> i feel like so rebels <laughs> um rebels were dudes that dress like yeah, grease, like okay. greasers yeah I even saw rebels when I moved to the Bay, like in San Jose, there was a lot of rebels, but okay. um, yeah, they'd be like greasered out their hair, like pompadour, you know, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Some even wore makeup, like to just be more pretty. Um, and they would do like the rebel stomp, like on the dance floor. So that'd be like stomping their boots. You do was like rebel time. And they had this certain dance they would do. It was, it was just like a certain style, you know? And um, I was super surprised when I moved to the Bay seeing a bunch of rebels in San Jose, but probably because all like the Latinos were there and okay, that's mostly yeah. what the rebels were. Who were the go-go girls? They were like the hoochies. Well, we there. used to call them hoochies, which is like hella problematic, you know? Like I fucking yeah. hate that. But like, yeah. so at I said time, go-go at girl at the time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. go-go girls were like, they would literally dance in go-go cages at the dances. Like these dances Wait, You guys are, like, this clips. is like a Catholic school. Yes, I know. Okay, I, I just know. want to make clear, but yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I went to Catholic school, there was nothing like that at all. You wouldn't even imagine. Okay, let me let me give you a little background though. I didn't go to one of these cooler Catholic schools. I went to like a super wealthy all girl. It was just not cool at all. So uh-huh. when I met my friends from Bishop Amat and like everybody else outside of that school, we'd all go party at, at those dances. After the dances, we move on to like backyard parties, you know, and then ditch parties and stuff like that. That's how I made my best friends was standing on a chair watching a Groover circle, somebody battling in the circle. I jumped on a chair and I met a friend and then she introduced me to all my current best friends. I think the reason why I'm really dwelling on this because what you described, the amount of culture in this music scene is something I would see like in a Viceland documentary that came out today. You know, yeah, and the fact that this is in the '90s and it's all high school children and like super diverse. I mean, I don't want to like shit on the Bay Area party scene because that's how we we would hang out a lot. We would go to parties. We would go to most of the mm-hmm. pop R and B parties and maybe some house or whatever. But it was yeah. pretty. It was like one type of person. Even now, you wouldn't see three different <laughs> groups of people and all that styles of music. So you were basically from the start, your musical identity was super vast and wide. Am I guessing right? Yeah. Yeah, especially from my family, because I grew up in like oh. a big family. I'm the youngest of five kids. So I 
got to absorb everything everybody was listening to. So my oldest brother would listen to like classic rock. My other okay. brother listened to disco, high energy. My sister, who's like my biggest influence, she listened to, we listened to everything, house, ska, punk, all kinds of stuff. And then I got into drum and bass and like the raver scene and then just took it off, like took okay. off from there. The drum and bass and the rave, that was your own thing. But everything you mentioned, that comes from your family and also the community you're a part of. And for our folks who don't know, knowing your mixes and what we talk about when you go record shopping for, that seems to be the same thing. Like, that totally makes sense. And to this day, like, your family's still very supportive. I always like to ask guests on the podcast about family. And they are 100% supportive, correct? Oh, my gosh. They helped me build my new, like, studio background Wow, that's dope that's nice because i had i like the first time i went on ig live like it was just like the my garage all fucked up you know with all this uh-huh. shit in there and people would be commenting like yo pass me some toilet paper i'm like oh my god <laughs> i should probably like make this background cooler but whatever so my fam just like rolled through and was like let's decorate it and it's so much better now <laughs> uh-huh and that's just one yeah, of many so, examples of them oh my being gosh, supportive. Yeah, they're the best. I can't okay. even, yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you specifically is that, you know, at least for me, and I think maybe a lot of other DJs, is that they start out, uh, you know, in their teens or their 20s, and they're still forming their musical identity as their career and their DJing kind of goes one way. So does their music taste, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like for me, example, I started out strictly underground hip-hop. And then I got mm-hmm. into like commercial hip hop and R&B. And then when we met, I think it got more into like disco and Latin and samples and house music and da 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 da. You were the opposite end of that. You had like a complete encyclopedia of music in your brain. And you were like, I'm going to now DJ, which I think is like mm-hmm. super fascinating. What effect does that have on your DJ? I definitely think it helped for sure. Like I would always get hit up about what I was listening to because I was always listening to new music and people would be like, what are you listening to? You're always listening to something dope I've never heard of. So I guess I didn't have the confidence to do it, you know? Wow. Um, I knew so many DJs. I mean, I knew you. We were like best of friends when I lived up there. And I through parties, I was a promoter. I loved music. I knew what tracks would go well together. But I think I just was like, I can never do that, you know, in my head. And then finally I said, fuck it. Like, I want to try because I had a gang of records. I knew hella shit. So, and people always would ask me like, when are you going to DJ? And I'm like, oh no. And then finally I just said, I'm going to do it. You know? Yeah. Because at this point you were still always, you had as deep musical knowledge as like any person that was like super famous or any party that was even more so in, in a lot of cases, like you were up on stuff that, People just had no idea you that they think you would. So what was that like that one moment that you're like, okay. Cause I, I remember like, you know, I, you'd be like, Hey Patrick, I've been practicing. I'm like, oh, yo, dope, good. <laughs> and like, it was just, yeah, I knew you were going to do it eventually. But was there a specific moment where you're like, all right, I'm going to, my confidence is now up. I'm going to do it. I think this party that I threw at Mi Vida, which is a boutique that I would DJ in front of for the Northeast LA Art Walk. Yeah, Yeah, I do it every month. It'd be four hours just by myself, pretty much practicing, you know? I bring all my equipment, all solo, like, you know, rolling out. I think I just grew my confidence from there. And I met so many people because I was on the street. I was on the sidewalk. And people would come up and be like, dude, your music's fresh. Where do you play? And I'm like, well, I don't really have a residency, you know? And then after that party I threw, it was like a launch party for my website, but really just like get my homies together, my family. I started getting booked like left and right. I don't know. It just yeah. it just happened and I just went for it. It was like 2016, I would say, like it really popped off. Yeah. So yeah, that was like a big part of your drive, just bringing your friends together, the you DJing and throwing parties or was it to make money or is it a little accommodation of that and other things? Well, I've been a promoter for a long time. You know, I did in the Bay, but I think it comes from my family. Like we throw house parties for everything. <laughs> like, right. We have house parties for everything, you know, like our backyard parties. You go to like, Senorita and like do like a nice little deep dive. You'll find a bunch of photos of your whole family. You're DJing, your mom's in the booth dancing, your dad's <laughs> dancing. Like it is, again, that's why I wanted to interview you because you have such this very specific like life or bubble of DJ that's like nothing else. You know, it's such yeah. a ill story. And like, please like jump in with anything I missed. So, you know, you decide, all right, I'm going to DJ in front of a store. I want to bring my family together and I already kind of throw parties already. 
but you're still working too, right? Yeah, I was still working like oh. hella. <laughs> okay, you were working your day job, right? Which was what? My day job, yeah. I worked at Fox Studios. So I worked in the oh. entertainment industry forever too. So there's that whole other side, like working at record labels and, and yeah. all that. Like I think yeah. contributed to, to my DJing too. My job allowed me to go to like Europe and, you know, shit like that. Like travel the world looking for dope ass music or going to dope festivals. And then DJ just took over. Like I'd get to work hella late. (laughs) I would just like try to, you know, call off when I knew I was going to DJ all weekend. Like, fuck, I need to like take Monday off or come in at like one (laughs) or something like that and actually i ended up djing our christmas lunch and that was the most fun we'd ever had in my department (laughs) i'm not even shitting you these people were so miserable like nine to five and we got together that day and it was just like "Ah!" you guys you guys cut loose we love each other and then we get back on monday like i hate you not that bad but you know it goes back to like that yeah like did did your coworkers? so were you leading a double life as a dj and and working uh, for fox or did they know oh they knew oh okay okay (laughs) because the reason i asked because my last normal job i tried my best not to tell people what i did because anytime i would show up late or call in sick i didn't want them to start thinking oh he was out late last night yeah when people found out, I was like, fuck. And yeah, it, it all kind of <laughs> like, and I was a shitty worker. So it didn't, you know, like I knew it, was, <laughs> I, it just didn't help the situation that they can now like speculate and start, you know, creating ideas in their head. Like, oh, that's why he sucks at his job because he's busy fucking yeah. around all night or, or what have you. No, for real. So, you know, you said job in, in the past. What made you take the plunge and go from like, I'm going to leave the world of benefits, a steady paycheck. XYZ to follow a dream. I think having my radio show and knowing so many people around the world and getting booked, like last year was the best year of my life. Like I'm not even joking. It was fucking amazing. Like I went on trips I never thought I would go on. I went to Japan. I DJed in Japan, like vinyl. It was just like magical. (laughs) But I ended up actually getting laid off. So it was kind of a push, you know? (laughs) You didn't jump. You got shoved. (laughs) But it was amazing. Like I got a, I got a severance package. I got like, Uh you know, unemployment. And then I lined up a whole tour in Europe that I'm supposed to be on right now. Um, I was going to spend the rest of 2020 in Europe, but yeah. And then COVID hit and (laughs) Yeah, and then it was all gone. <laughs> but, but you were, again, like you were thought, okay. So, and I asked this question for all the DJs or just creative people in the chat and they're going to be listening to this later. So if somebody had to kind of like set a roadmap to how to quit their day job and do this full time, you know, besides the severance package, what were some other things that you can kind of share as a oh, know, yeah. Some game? Yeah, I definitely was going to leave anyways, but I would say get a residency, be booked, be busy be doing something other than DJing, have a radio show, a podcast, something on YouTube. I don't know. Keep doing something, you know, keep talking about music, writing about music, putting your friends up. I put a lot of shit in my IG stories, like music I'm listening to. So if you ever want to know what I'm listening to, go to my IG stories. Like I'm always screen recording, fucking Uh Spotify and putting something out there. So I'm always trying to like keep people up on what's new. And that's why I started my radio show. Um, Casual, casual play yeah it started as a podcast like 10 almost 10 years ago uh-huh. and it was just because like i said people were asking me what i was listening to and i just was thinking like fuck it i'm gonna start a podcast like i want to push artists that i really like that i felt weren't really getting a lot of rest or whatever and this was the blog era so it was kind of fun you know to kind of jump in on that and my good friend wiz shout out to wiz he helped me so much with casual play even with the name, I think we kept going back and forth about what the name should be. We worked at Writers Guild together. So, and his brother Tyrone, he designed my dope ass logo. So, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, Casual Play is now on NTS Radio, which is broadcast internationally. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. proud of that because I never thought I'd be on NTS, to be honest with you. Like, I was and, like, what? Yeah, so, and that was definitely something I was going to ask. But what mm-hmm. year did it get picked up by NTS? Just to kind of give the listeners um, a chronological been, order. 
three years now. So okay. around 2017. Yeah. Okay. So 2016 is when it started. 2017 is NTS. And yeah. 2019 is when you have this magical, magical mm-hmm. year. <laughs> so when you kind of like say these things out loud in order, I think it paints a picture of like the path and how things for DJs or creative people doing their own thing. It's gradual. It's not like, oh, yeah. one month to the next, I'm popping. It's like a very slow thing. Like you were saying earlier, you were just kind of creating other opportunities besides DJing. So yeah. when you do a radio show or anything with like a specific kind of theme, I like to think that we're all DJs. We're all like listening with a different set of ears. Mm-hmm. It's like if I'm going to go do the Weekend Warrior Club spot, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to have that set of ears. Like, you know, listen to the radio, listen to the DJs, what's the hot new artist, boom. But for the radio show... What is your listening process? I usually start picking up music at least like two weeks before the show. Um, I'll go on Bandcamp and just like raid everything that I want, you know, or just keep an eye out on Instagram too, like or Twitter, who's putting stuff out. Like I really love Chris Jones and DJ Mm -hmm. Swisha. So if I see them tweet like something's coming up, I'll make sure to look out for that. And then it's pretty much the same way I prepare for sets. I'll just put a playlist together and like kind of like a vibe. I'll start with one intro song that I think is super ill and then just go from there. But I like to like weave in and out of stuff when I do mixes and my radio show, like I'll go from like hardcore, like techno-y shit and then it'll end up on some R&B or some like newer hip hop. But Uh it's just because I love everything that I want to try and cram it in so everybody knows like what's good out there to listen to and i also love to play like classics and new shit that kind of go together so it can relate so people will you know they'll learn something new they'll learn a new artist because i feel like if you're just stuck on one era then you're just always going to be there but there's so much stuff that sounds like golden era hip-hop that's new mm-hmm. so i yeah. try to do that too but yeah, it usually starts with a fire-ass song. <laughs> so just one great song and you let it kind of go from there. You start connecting dots or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and is there an overlap? Say you're going to go do your Ace Hotel party. Does the radio show, NTS, and does the Ace Hotel, I'm using that gig as an example, do those mm-hmm. kind of overlap or is it all pretty separate? Because, for example, I listen to certain DJs on their KCRW shows and what they play in the club is a 180. How are we with that? No, it's a pretty much the same. Yeah, I'm always grabbing new music, so I just try to play what I love. That's what I do. Okay. I play what I love. I don't really play for the crowd a lot, which might suck, but you know, I know my I know my crowds. Like I know my party. Like if I'm going to a funk party, I'm not going to bring house music, yeah. you know, but You're like bring funk music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh-huh. usually how it goes. You mentioned drum bass and I'm a type of person I to always kind of like hear what I think, even though if I'm not going to be into it, at least be aware of what's like the next trend that's going to kind of be bubbling again and kind of creeping mm-hmm. up. And am I wrong to think like drum based or jungle is kind of going to be the next thing in a year or two that's going to be popping? Oh, it's already here. Because I yeah. am like wild ignorant when it comes to drum bass. And I think mm-hmm. I kind of see it on Bandcamp and I see it on like a lot of UK people. And I've kind of heard a couple of remixes people have done. It's the thing. You know what I like. You know, and you also know I'm a club DJ and I like to make edits and I'm into like old music and new music. Give me and all the other DJs listening, other music heads, what are some places they can start and be like, yo, this is where to go for jungle music? Um, oh, like start with Four or, Hero. Four Hero. Hero. Okay, which yes. Four Hero? Yes. Two pages. Two pages is the one. All of them. Okay. All of them. <laughs> Two a- pages any Four Hero. Is the, any Four Hero because Four Hero was also Tom and Jerry. That's where Mark Mack and... Digo started. That was kind of like their harder drum and bass. It's called Intelligent. So was, they take samples of like vocals, beautiful uh-huh. shit. And then they moved to like For Hero. And that was more like orchestration. So it was like live drum and bass. It's okay. It's a little more jazzier the, too, right? Uh, yeah, it's a little more, more jazzy. And then <laughs> they had two other albums after that. And both amazing. Okay. Yeah, I would start with Four Hero, uh-huh. Tom and Jerry, Jacob's Optical Stairway. They're all Mark Mack and Digo. Anything from Six Block, R.A.W., Ronnie Size. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I, okay. Four Hero. Straight Four up. Four Hero. And then I, like <laughs> yes. the R.A.W. and Six Block, that stuff's a little more like harder. That's more like... That's like, yeah, like Raga, like, like Goldie. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. There's Goldie too, uh, Reinforced Records. There was a German-based documentary that just came out 
recently uh-huh. on YouTube, but I heard it's kind of whitewashed. So, you know. Oh, okay. Know. It, it, yeah. yeah. But drum and bass started from the sound system era, from like the reggae, know, Jamaica and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it has its roots and I love it. We used to have like drum and bass and hip hop parties down here in LA. So you'd see like the roots in one room and like all the, the big band, jungle the DJs. Roots. and Yeah, the root, the band. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to clarify because I'm like, wait, the band? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the band. Okay. The okay so, I have flyers. I have like flyers. No, no, I believe you. I believe you. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I'm just thinking, like, Quest Love and, like, Jimmy Fallon, and then, like, they're in fucking boom, 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 boom. He could do those drums for sure, you know. Oh, that. yeah. All those guys. And yeah, I'm sure yeah, yeah. Black yeah. Thought can rap and all that stuff. Yeah. Think. So, who are current people that are, like, bringing the sound of drum, bass, and jungle that we can check out that aren't legacy acts, but, like, popping and new right now? Oh, I would say for sure, Kush Jones, okay. DJ Swisha. Um, it's kind of like an East Coast thing, I feel. Definitely wow. R.A.W. still. He's always, he's still putting it down. There's uh-huh. been this club called Respect that's been on for like 30 years. No, I'm just kidding. It's probably like, <laughs> but no, I'm not shitting you. It's probably like 25 years, this party. Uh-huh. Um, those two guys, definitely uh, R.A.W. Man, off the top of my head, that's who I can think of right now. Yeah. Okay, so those are the current ones. And then I can ask you about Broken Beat and Two-Step. Isn't Mark Mack part of the whole Broken Beat Two-Step world as well? And mm-hmm. So he's responsible for two different they, genres? They or? pretty much all are. The German-based jungle producers pretty much produced and created Broken Beat. So it's like all that era of guys. Okay. They're all in that. I mean, I could talk about Broken Beat forever. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think, I mean, not to sound like a jerk, and this might just be an American thing, or this might just be my music friend, is that you're probably one of the few people I know that not just knows it, like, casually, but you know it, like, super deep. So that's what I wanted to ask about it. And is mm-hmm. that genre still kind of thriving? Is it kind of in a different state right now? Oh, hell yeah. It's definitely thriving. I feel like younger producers like K-15, Tenderlonious... Mm-hmm. They're the new era. Um, there's this other guy, EV16 or something. He's part of Selectors Assemble, which is uh-huh. Alex Funsi from Bugs in the Attic. Like, it's thriving for sure. Okay. Uh, 2000 Black is yeah. go. Patty Tatham, Domu's coming back. Mark DeClive is still putting music out. So, uh-huh. yeah. And this is funny. You mentioned all these guys. And, and some of these artists I always thought were part of like the new wave of uh, like London jazz guys. So... Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of weird that coincidentally they're both kind of blowing up or coming back in 2020, but in kind of different ways, you know? I think that's yeah. it's kind of funny how things are cyclical. So when drum and bass like crosses over, becomes a big deal, you're going to be like, I've been doing this and yeah, you're going to be the Diplo of drum and bass or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's yo, that, cash, cash them checks. So um, we were talking earlier in the chat about Europe and the whole thing. And I think, like I said, at the top of the show, we're going to talk about, you know, COVID and how it's affecting all DJs and, and performers mm-hmm. or what have you. But you mentioned a Europe tour. How does one go mm-hmm. about setting up, not just a tour, but a Europe tour? That's some crazy shit. Um, I think it was a lot of work put in through networking, making friends, you know, like going to Europe okay. a couple years ago, just kind of like setting the groundwork unintentionally, just going, you know, and just like making good friends with Digo, all these people I looked up to that I was like, one day I'll own your records. And now we're homies, Um, you know, but um, it was a lot to do with my show on NTS. Like it's been mind blowing the people who have listened to the show. I'm like, oh my God, like Zed Bias. I just had him on my show. He's one of the top UK garage producers ever. And he hit me up. He hit me up. Like, I heard your show randomly in my feed on NTS. And I love it. It's amazing. I'm like, what? So I think the show. And then also had a good friend who I reached out to and said, hey, I'm going to be out in Europe. And he just like helped me connect the dots. And I just put my bio together, my pictures, my show, any links I had. And just hit him up, let him know what's up. Get, had my dates ready. I was just prepared really prepared before I started it. Yeah, I'm a planner, so. Okay, and then kind of circle back, you said if you're going to make the leap, make sure you have different things going, not just the DJing. I mean, and Mm -hmm. what you're saying, it's like you're your own example. Like you had a show and that show Mm -hmm. helped you kind of push the momentum of being a full-time DJ. You had your your assets, as people like to call them, and your mixes and your links. From what you told me, you were going to be all over Europe. Like, give me a breakdown of the countries you were going to. I had shows booked in Paris, Amsterdam, Brussels, Germany, Bucharest, London, Switzerland, and Sweden. 
<laughs> Yo, that's dope. I love that. Straight SGV Chicana coming out. Hey. Like, I'm going to tour the world. And, and you're playing, and again, you're like, kind of what you just said earlier about you play what you love and you don't play to the crowd. I mean, you play to the crowd, but you don't, you don't like right. pandering. You're, so right. you're traveling the world on music you love to play. Yeah, congrats. So Thank you know, you. we know the nuts and bolts, how to kind of go and get a, a tour. Is there anything else you can maybe tell our friends about how to set up an overseas tour? Like, passports and paperwork and stuff like that what's up with that oh. Did you, was that a big deal or no uh you know i was starting to get the contracts in when the covid shit started happening so, okay um some stuff was on like just straight email confirmation okay. and then i also booked radio out there as well so i made sure i was like busy throughout the open dates that i had so i had a couple radio gigs ready and it was just basically tapping into my friends that i knew that were out there or that could possibly connect me and just saying, Hey, I'm coming out real quick and give them the info. And folks were down. They were just super helpful. And the ACE hooked me up. Like I, I said, saying, yeah. So I was going to play the ACE in London, um, you know, from having the party at the ACE down here. Uh-huh. Um, and then just having a bunch of friends out there, like ready to host me and, and then just random folks that I've met through mixes or my show. Like I said, like the Paris gig was total like off of a mix. So Oh, okay. Super. That was super amazing. I was like, yeah, and that was a lot of, yeah, that mix had a lot of West Coast flavor on it too. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. So now, bringing up to the current date, current times, tell us how and when you figured out that Europe was not going to happen because of of COVID. I mean, was it a gradual thing? Was it, because I I think everyone is kind of processing what's going on right now in different ways. It's almost like grief, Mm -hmm. there's different Mm -hmm. stages. I remember getting back from Vegas. uh, and coming back and being like, dude, I think this is serious. Like, it seems pretty bad, you know? So I had a party booked at the Ace that weekend. And it was right when... They hadn't shut down LA yet. But I personally was like, I'm not going to put myself or my guest in any harm. So I canceled the party on my own. I told the Ace, like, I'm sorry, we're not going to come. And they're like, okay, well, if you want to. Um, and then the next week, I think we went into shelter in place. And from there, I knew it. I was like, there's no way. Like, I can't, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable going and being out there by myself. And, uh-huh. you know, like, it just would be too much. So right when shelter in place hit, that's when I had like that hard, like heart feeling, you know, like, oh my God, this is not happening, you know? Because that was yeah. like the whole year. The whole year was going to be the tour and then like living in Europe for the rest of the, you know, pushing that traveler's visa out. But you know? Yeah. And so I took it like, damn, like a couple days. And then, and then I just started emailing people and just saying, Hey, I'm not thinking it's not a good idea. And mm. everyone was so responsive and so just great. You know, like they're like, when we open back up, you'll be here, you know? Yeah. So that felt good. That felt really good. And I, I secured some like mixes just to like keep the momentum going. So I played sure. for, um, a show in Paris and um, I have something else coming up for a uh, radio station in Brussels. So trying to like keep the, yeah, keep the momentum going. Try to, yeah, get salvage whatever you can from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're the first guest we've had talking about this. What's going to happen to us? No one really knows. I mean, yeah. we can be pessimists. Other days I can be like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. What's your take on what's going to happen? Not so much in the bigger sense, but like two DJs for what, the type of work we do. Well, I think for a long time, DJs were never protected, you know, like there was no protection for DJs. We're always out there. Like, I don't know. I just felt like venues didn't really give a fuck about us. You know, they pay us and have us play, but we get harassed by people or like, I don't know. I just always felt like, damn, like we get to do this thing every night, but like, what if, I don't know. I just always thought that way. So hopefully there'll be more value in DJs. I mean, mm-hmm. you could tell in COVID, like we're providing entertainment. Like I do a, a live stream and people are like, oh my God, thank you. Like, and I thank them because I miss it so much, you know, but like, I hope there's more value in the DJs. Like we do a lot of shit, you know, for a lot of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if venues or bookers think about that about us, you know? So I don't really know. I've gotten hit up to play COVID safe house parties. I'm like, there's no such thing. (laughs) There's no such thing. Like get the fuck out of here. You know? And like, I can't really do that right now. I'm just trying to be safe for myself, for my family. I don't know, dude. I'm curious to see what the booth's going to look like. Like, you know, like, I don't know. 
Yeah. What kind of interaction are we gonna have with the crowd? Like, <sighs> is it gonna be totally separate now? I, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, are, is the first party you play gonna be fucking lit, or is it gonna be dead? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, we're just assuming something's gonna happen. Something's mm-hmm. coming, and, but there's no vaccine, so we don't really know. What is the COVID safe house bar that you got? I guess they're not inviting that many people. Uh, hand sanitizer. I don't know. Me in the room and them outside. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I declined that shit. I was like, no, so there's no I'm specifics. Not, no specifics. No one has a plan. They just say COVID safe to make you think that. <laughs> I got hit uh-huh. up to DJ last Saturday at a bar in Boyle Heights to DJ straight up. Like, bring your vinyl. There's only going to be 20 people. No, dog. I saw the IG stories. Pop in, motherfucking okay. pop in. Like, so, no one had masks on. Like, I'm cool. Okay, so like, but if, <laughs> so it's bullshit. This idea of like, you'll be fine, you'll be yeah, safe, it's, it's all good. It's it's totally a fraud. Yeah, I, I yeah. think so too, man. Like, I I, I don't want to like get into it, but I don't expect to be normal DJing to come back anytime soon again. And then you kind of talking about the whole streaming thing, and I think we had to mm-hmm. talk about this. Um, <laughs> t- yeah, well, and I, again, I don't think you know a lot of people outside of DJing, really know the lengths we have to go to to co- just to kind of do our things. I probably texted you a couple of times about it. Like, yeah. what am I doing? But I honestly started on IG Live because it was like the easiest shit ever. You know, you just uh-huh. press that button. and But then you realize like, damn, the audio sucks. Damn, I keep getting shut off. Damn, it's like, so you get hit every which way, you know? But like... I, Honestly, I had so much fun. Like, it was still fun. And then you get, you're you like low-key getting clowned if you weren't on Twitch yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can felt the pressure like, oh my God, now I have to buy like an audio interface and a webcam and a microphone. And like, you're producing your own fucking show. Like, it's no joke, you know? I want to just mention right there, like, look at all the things you listed right there. Like, you know, having an IG account you know, dealing with sound issues, having to buy it input, learning OBS, which is a whole nother yes. broadcaster. Um, but trying to, trying to even track down some equipment. And I don't think people know that a webcam right now, I don't know if it, as much as it was when this first started, it was like hard as fuck to get because everyone was Hell buying yeah. it. Uh, ring lighting, all these things. Notice all those hoops you mentioned we have to jump through just to exist. This isn't like even an elaborate plan to like jump ahead of people, but just to yes. kind of like be... Just to be like relevant, I guess. Just to be, you know, like, yes. hey, I exist too and stuff like that. So did you have that anxiety that, oh shit, I need to be on this or I'm gone or, or what? At first I took like a break from everything, which was nice because I was DJing hella much. So when COVID hit, like I chilled the fuck out. And then uh-huh. shouts to Darling Chuck because she hit me up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Girl, you should go live. Like you're so dope. Go live. And I'm like, I don't know. <clears throat> Like, I'm kind of shy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh-huh. Once I jumped on there, I was like, yeah, you know, so, uh-huh. um, but yeah, at first I was like, I don't know, fuck, like, is anyone going to watch? And I just threw my records on because, um, you know, they they're just right there. I didn't have to worry about all that other shit. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, one Sunday I just said, fuck it, I'm going to play my records and people started tuning in. So I started something called Sunday School, okay. which has been going on for like 10 weeks now, um, every Sunday. Uh-huh. 2 p.m. Um, I finally on Twitch. <laughs> nice. Got all that. Got all that stuff. I think we spoke about it. Um, uh-huh. tr- helped me troubleshoot. I watch all those Serato videos. Fucking yeah. YouTube. Like fucking cut corners. Thank you for all the tips. You know. Yeah. Um, I had to cancel that roll and go mixer because it was hella on back order for like okay. five months or some shit. See, so there you go. Like. Other- there we go. We have to track down equipment that's going to be on back order for five months. Like, who does that yeah. for any, Who waits? Who orders anything and it's going to go, I can wait five months. We can't even wait, like, two days for some shit. So, no. again, we do this shit just to, like, exist mm-hmm. and just exist in a reality that came out of us out of, out of nowhere and stuff like that. And you should definitely, yeah. you know, hit up Toy. She's a, an opening set alum. She does things oh, on Twitter. Oh, right. You can ask yeah. her. And, you know, and for our listeners... Darling Chuck did a really, really great episode with us. I think season one, one of my favorites, actually. She's an amazing DJ and she does Twitch oh, a yeah. lot. We have something coming up. Uh, we're playing Makosa on oh, Saturday nice. on Twitch. Darling Chuck, DJ Lindsay, who's also amazing, yeah. and myself uh-huh. with the Makosa residents. So Juan Wei, DJ Tara, uh, uh-huh. Shinobi Shaw. Yeah, and that's definitely, those are our people's opening set you know, alumni or future guests and people we all, like John has done Makosa. I've done Makosa out here. 
the connection yeah. is very deep. So yeah. I did one of the first ones in the backyard in Brooklyn. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, we see this party like just swell and grow and it's kept a very kind of organic, for lack of a better term, feel. Did you sense that as a guest that there was something going on? And, you know, when you see, when you see any party that blows up eventually, do you have like a second sense like, yo, this is something particular because you're a promoter as well? Oh, hell yeah. It was okay. so much fun. They had food, like our friend Leilani, Vanessa, all the girls like jumped in mm-hmm. and had this whole food section. Like me and Juan were troubleshooting. It was just like the best Brooklyn day, you know, in this backyard. And it just had this like dope vibe, hella people, like diverse crowd, um, bunch of heads in there too, like dope producers, DJs. Like you could just tell everyone was like a music head in there. Okay. And I remember someone coming up and saying, can you play some more house? And I was like, Psh, hell yeah. So, <laughs> um, and it was all friends, you know, it was all like friends throwing this party together. So it felt like a family barbecue, like a family backyard party Yeah, in Brooklyn. Yeah, I feel like every guest we've ever had, and I've asked an idea about, what is a successful party, why they start, what their goals. It's pretty much along that is this idea of community, you know, and, you know, mm-hmm. like John and I can test that with Cuffin and the chat and Inside Lands. And maybe I'm naive. Or maybe I'm not. Maybe it's just something, maybe hopefully I'll see more of post-COVID that when people do get together, there's more of a purpose. You know, it's mm-hmm. not just, yo, it's going to be lit and cool people <laughs> are going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Now it could be all those things, but also like, oh, hey, all our friends that are going to be there together, we should show up and support. I don't know, maybe I'm being, you know, idealistic, but I would like to kind of see that coming out of all this. That made me think of like the first party back after this ends and it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to be. It's going to be a bittersweet and a little surreal and weird and and all that stuff. I've been seeing IG videos of people partying in Paris and they're like, no gloves, people are all up on each other and like, it fucks me up a little bit. So, um, I know, I was going to play Coachella this year too. What? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about that. I forgot about that. Shit. What's up? So my friends, Beat Cinema, shout out to Mm. Beat Cinema, they Uh curate a stage and they hit me up. My friend Rick was like, yo, what are you doing this weekend? Whatever. I'm like, I don't even know when Coachella is. I'm like, I've never been. I've always wanted to go. I've never been. So I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm chilling. I don't think I have anything. And he's like, yeah, because we want you to play Coachella. I'm like, what the fuck? What? Like, are you for real? One's in the chat. One's in the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was like, let me hit you back when we confirm, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, they confirmed. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) What am I going to (laughs) play? You know what? I think the fact that was your first instinct, what am I going to play as opposed to like, Anything that was like kind of frivolous or secondary, like self promoting or whatever, is a reason why you get asked to do things like that. Like music yeah. is the first thing, you know. I'm a fan first. I'm a fan over anything. Like I'm a fan over being a DJ, over being spinnerita, over being whatever. Like I will go up to somebody and give them praises and just be like, I love your music. Thank you so much. Like I'm a fan. Fuck that, yeah. you know. That even makes the idea. When I was asking you about, oh, you have a musical identity totally formed prior to you being a DJ, that makes sense now. When you boil it down to like, I'm just a fan, I think that's kind of like understated with DJing because we're all, you know, DJs are all just about all this other shit and not about music. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why your success is because you're really about music first and foremost. So talking about more about what do you think is going to happen are you going to continue streaming? I think I might still stream. I mean, I like it. Hello? Like probably add more sets to Twitch, maybe like a whole broken beat night. I don't know. Something oh. that, you know what I mean? Like I might do casual play live on Twitch. I mean, I don't think I'm going anywhere soon to go DJ out. So I'm just going to adapt because I love DJing. Like I really, really love it. I have so much fun doing it. If there's only two people in there, I don't give a fuck. Like I'm still playing for like four hours, you know? Um, so for me, that's what it's looking like. Like, and the merch just came out of nowhere. Like people liked the logo and I, you know, me and my designers talked about candles and all of a sudden I'm selling candles and I'm going to put t-shirts out and, um, I have a really sick logo by my favorite artist, Chaz Borges. So I'll start pushing that, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think for now I'm just going to play it safe for me. Okay. You know? Yeah. I like that. You're just going to play it safe. 
That's what's up. So <laughs> but go <I> was, hard. <laughs> <laughs> all right, safe but hard. Two, glo- two pairs of gloves and two masks. Hey. <laughs> the so at the end of every episode, I like to kind of ask guests, like what's a song that kind of gets them hype, you know, get their day started if they're going to go work out. Is there a specific song, you know, you've been playing right now during COVID and stay in place and not with, you know, George Floyd, um, you know, police terrorism being a focus in America. Is there a song that has been kind of like giving you passion to keep going forward or, or peace or determination or anything? Um, I don't know if I have a specific song, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I like listen to so much all the time. Like, yeah, I really like this track that Juke Bounce Work put out. It was by the, the speech by, I believe her name is Tamra. Oh, I can't remember her name. Sorry. She's an activist, but she had this really powerful speech and they used it over like a footwork track. That right there would be like a sick ass opening. Like, yo, we're out of COVID. Like, fuck all uh-huh. this. Like, it's just really powerful. I like what they did with the beat behind it. So you can check out Juke Bounce work for that. I don't really have a specific right now, to be honest with you. There's no wrong with that. There's so much music. Yeah. And it's, it's, also, it's COVID right now. It's like your brain no, is it's kind of like... It's like, it's quarantine. Know? Yeah, it's dealing yeah. with quarantine, dealing with uh, health. It's dealing with, you know, finance. It's dealing with police terrorism. It's, the, you know, dealing with all types of things, dealing with an election. So if you can't instantly find one song to kind of quench all that, that's understandable. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So before we uh, kind of wrap things up, where can listeners and people in the chat, people listening, where can they find you? At Spinarita everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much. I mean, spinarita.com, Spinarita uh-huh. on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm actually trademarking my name. So that's oh, a big shit. step for me. Shout out Chung, yeah. Chung, Chung. Shout out, yeah. Council of Creators, uh, the legal yeah. eagle of Southern California. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's all Spinarita everywhere. Um, I have a show called Casual Play on NTS Radio. You could check that out there. And when does that air? Up. When is uh, uh, Casual That play? is every first Thursday of the month. So, yeah. So, everybody. All right. Give it up for our homegirl, Spinorita. Some ones in the chat. One more time. <laughs> Auntie Anne. Thank you. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>